everybody. Welcome to the Queen's International Affairs Association's Right of Reply podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Xander Van Asprin. And I'm the other guy, Jacob Anderson. And today we'll be going over some stories in international affairs and what interests us in kind of global politics. And let us see where the day takes us. To start off, probably the uh, most normal-sounding story today is Germany announced that they will, the party coalition ruling Germany announced that they will legalize marijuana and promote drug harm reduction. So obviously Germany is quite strict on drugs, always kind of has been. So this is kind of... Really? A, a, oh yeah, yeah. Germany's been very strict on that. So this is kind huh. of an interesting development because I think a lot of people just kind of assumed if they don't know a lot about Germany that they would have legalized it already. Yeah. But... I don't know. People tend to assume, I think, that Europe is more progressive than uh, North America in a lot of ways. But um, I didn't know they were they were strict on it historically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've always been kind of hard on it. And um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, They're selling it in stores kind of like how Canada did it. I'm not sure if it's going to be like an LCBO type situation where it's government owned corporations or just any thing can kind of sell it at least a nice fat tax exactly right they're getting lots of taxes out of it (laughs) they said that it was mostly just to avoid like contaminated substances in the marijuana and to make it a more safe substance in general but obviously yes taxes let's be honest probably the reason anybody (laughs) would want to allow marijuana huh um yeah so like i know jeremy just had an election right because angela merkel a long time is it president they have her or is it no it's they have both chancellor, they sorry, have a chancellor they're called and a chan- the president. Yeah. yeah. So she's out now and um I think I guess the new ruling party or the coalition is announcing this. So yep. it's not like a, it's not like they're actually doing it, but they're just saying like they're going to or they're yeah, exactly. they want to. Yeah. And it's it's recreational, sorry, that's gonna be legal. Because you said yes. you said harm reduction, so I was just wondering if that is some sort of like you know, another word for it's only going to be medical or something or there'll be like restrictions on it but it sounds like maybe it's it's gonna be recreational yeah they said it's for adults for consumption in licensed stores so Hmm. yeah it will be i assume recreational then huh and yeah so an interesting development there because not many i don't think many people like many countries have actually i know a lot of countries have decriminalized it but i don't think in europe there's that many countries that have made it legal i know like mm. i think the first country was i believe it was a country it was a country in south america maybe argentina or something i'd have to search it up and then canada was second so mm. we're up there apparently luxembourg also looking to enact this and italy's having a referendum on it i believe right there, there's a chance for a referendum um this spring as well as mushrooms so Interesting to see if that goes through. And Germany says that they expect about a billion in tax revenues annually if they do legalize marijuana. A billion? Way. A billion, yeah. Wow. To be honest, not as much as I was kind of expecting, but still a lot. Who knows if that's like, like a, yeah, who knows if it's a conservative estimate or whatnot, but um, mm-hmm. I think Mexico it's legal too. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Certain states in the U.S., um, obviously um but yeah like i guess this is one of those markets that uh is 
potentially pretty lucrative because other countries, I mean, in the EU particularly, don't have it legal. Hmm. So people, like, you're kind of the only access necessarily for some. So mm, hmm. who knows? Maybe I'll get into the German weed market. <laughs> Good idea. There'll be more investing opportunities for sure in that area. And speaking of, well, actually, there's no very good segue to this, but <laughs> Australia considers a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Right. Naturally. Speaking of athletes who take weed. Yeah. Come yeah. on, guys. So, yeah, they are considering, you know, boycotting the Winter Olympics. That's obviously being held in Beijing. Uh, that's February, I believe. What are they citing? So, I mean, like, I'm sure there's lots of things to cite, but uh, is, is the Uyghur the Uyghur situation slash genocide being mentioned as, as a reason for doing so. I know Canada, I know certain um, political figures in Canada have talked about the Beijing Olympics. Um, China, obviously, in rifts with several countries and Australia being one. Um, notable is that AUKUS is how you pronounce it nuclear yep. deal that uh, Australia made with the states in the UK mm-hmm. um, largely I think to counter China's influence in the in the region so yeah not surprising but uh, do they give any reasons I guess as to no I mean this isn't confirmed they're just like there have been some MPs who have mentioned right. this and MPs within the ruling kind of government but they didn't like specifically say anything they didn't say anything specific for it, but obviously Australia and China's relationship is strained. Um, yeah. I mean, Australia did ban Huawei from the 5G network a couple of years ago. As, as did most Western countries, I think. Yeah, and... Canada as, hasn't ruled on it yet, I don't think. We've kind of just been hemming and hawing, but... Yeah, we're trying not to take a, a stance, it seems. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, they, Australia also apparently called for an independent investigation into the origins of COVID-19. So China responded by imposing tariffs. So Chira, China responded by imposing tariffs on several Australian items. Huh. So, you know, yeah. interesting. Australia's credit score is pretty low right now. <laughs> I so- mean, social credit, that is. I think that begs the question of like, is it good to politicize the Olympics? Or is it like, is it okay to make it about which country is hosting it or like i i feel like maybe yes because there's a bunch of financial gain obviously for i think it's always been inherently politicized to a degree i mean the soviet union and the east and west blocks both boycotted certain olympics in the cold war i believe it was la olympics and uh Mm -hmm. can't remember where it was in 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 the east block that the u.s and i think canada also would have boycotted that i'm assuming but uh Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not new. Um, certainly, it it begs the question. I mean, like Nazi Germany hosted the Olympics, um, infamously, um, and there was uh, Jesse Owens, who was a American, African American runner who won, kind of embarrassed Hitler a bit because that's obviously runs against his his ideology and what he was trying to prove, but. Um, so yeah, I don't really know. Like, I know I'm 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 certain that somebody will bring it up in Canada. When when is the Olympics exactly? Is it like 2022? Uh, yeah, I think February 
around there. Really? That's approaching quite so. quick. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, there's murmurs. I've, there's been murmurs of, of, of uh, boycotting in Canada. I think Aaron O'Toole hmm. has talked about it, but hmm. I just, uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a strong enough, strong enough message that's coming uh, from like MPs or whatever. I, yeah, I, I feel like it takes quite a bit to to boycott, um, especially like obviously there's the whole issue of China being so powerful. <coughs> so. I don't know. Canada Classic doesn't want to upset anybody, so I don't know what, what will actually happen. But Right. Yeah, apparently Australia is kind of waiting to see what Biden's decision is on this. Oh, so really? So they can kind of just follow <laughs> America's lead. I think that if the United States does boycott, probably see a lot of countries kind of follow in lockstep with that as well. Yeah. Although I'm not sure. Like, I really, I mean, obviously from a high level, I don't know a lot about... Um, about the issue or really what the United States would think on this, but I can't imagine they would they would boycott. I know that they're, they're certainly like not friends with China in in the truest sense of the word, but right. they do want to. I, I feel like there's Biden is more of a of, of trying to do, be a cooperative type diplomat energy vibe. You know what I mean? Like Trump is more hardline. <laughs> don't make me ruin your economy type thing um, right so i don't right. know because i know biden at, at the cop the cop summit was or, or recently at least was working uh with president xi jinping of china on some mm-hmm. sort of cooperation so i don't know i really don't know um i don't know if i mean canada i think was one of the few countries that has ruled in that has, that has ruled it a genocide right I mean, I think the Liberal Party abstained from voting. Yeah, yeah. But, Parliament uh, did pass that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I know not every country agrees on that. Even most of the Liberals said yes, it's just the Cabinet and Trudeau uh, abstained. Yeah. Because, obviously. The political situation. Yeah. With uh, the two Michaels, obviously. and then, But they're back. I yeah. haven't heard anything from uh, really from them. Yeah. I don't know if you have. I was kind of intrigued. I was, I was hoping to maybe hear some things from them, spill mm-hmm. the tea or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, I guess they don't want the spotlight so much, which you know, fair, interesting. I'm yeah. probably better for them not to uh, go into the celebrity <laughs> spotlight. I mean, if I were one of them, I'd probably make like a podcast or something, and then just like drift. Yeah, we could host them here. <laughs> they could break it on this pop and pod. Yeah, relive their uh, their. Their traumas from being in Chinese prison for however long. Yeah, they'd, they'd break fun. they'd break it on our podcast, and then no one would even catch it. It would be <laughs> we'd market it, and then it would no one would even hear it. Exactly. Exactly. Not, not to <laughs> oh god, cut that out. That sounds too harsh. COVID, cut that out. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of weed legalization, you know where else weed is illegal? North, um, North Korea. Oh, <laughs> you're probably dead if good, you have weed in North good Korea. Segue. Am I right? And what also gets you killed is smuggling in Squid Game into North Korea, <laughs> unsurprisingly. So North Korea sentenced to death a student who smuggled in USBs of Squid Game and sold them. And also punished the students who watched it as well. So basically a guy smuggled in Squid Game and the authorities caught seven students watching it. And so... I wonder how that works. They just like had, 
like if there's like informants or whatever i know it's like classic in those like authoritarian states to have people rewarded for telling on their their fellow citizens or they just i mean i can't imagine just walked in on a little community gathering watching the squid game but anyways not to not to cut off the story oh yeah well there's actually a specific what's what's even the word like a a strike force or a investigation committee for illegal videos in North Korea. Oh, interesting. We're just trying to find the... Uh, I can't find what it's actually called. But yeah, there's they have a specific like task force for finding illegal videos that people are watching. And they got a tip off, and so that's how they found. They found that this was a thing. So... The student who bought the drive received a life sentence. Um, well, the smuggler who actually brought it in is getting executed by firing squad. The student who brought it, like bought it, uh, is getting a life sentence. Six others who watched it got five years of hard labor. And then a whole bunch of teachers and school administrators have been fired or face banishment to either work in remote mines or just banishment themselves, apparently. It's honestly so interesting how, like, anybody related whatsoever. Like, I'm sure a lot of those teachers and, like, staff had no idea this was happening. But it's just like, okay, you're banished. Right. I know, like, in North yeah. Korea, there's a fa- like infamous um, association by blood. Like, if, if somebody commits a crime and then uh, whatever, whatever, they're, they're, they're kids and then their grandkids and, and so on. I believe this is still the case are punished as well, which is nuts, but yeah, hmm. as is the case. Oh, found it. Surveillance Bureau Group 109 is oh, those the guys. government strike force that catches illegal video watchers. Nice. <laughs> Excuse me. So interesting because Squid Game kind of also is about South Korea being bad or I know. Well, being that, a rat race. North Korea came out and was like, like they, 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 we touched on this in the first episode, but they, they loved it. They were like, "Yeah, like look at South Korea, it sucks." Essentially, so it's kind of. I mean, I do know. I guess there is a character who's like of North Korean origin who really talks about how North Korea wasn't good and she wants a better life for her family. But oh, I didn't know that. At the same time, like a character, I believe, asks her something like did you find happiness in South Korea? And the character's like silent, implying like, no, it wasn't that much better. So I guess like North Korea does seem like the type of regime not to take any of that like slander of like a character not liking it there. But, you know, if I were them, I would take Squid Game, like alter it, like just cut out those scenes and just make it about how bad South Korea is. Yeah, you can get all this free then, like professional actors and and, right? and no one's going to enforce copyright Yeah, there. it's like free propaganda. What are they going to do, sue you? Like, no. So like, you're fine. I would totally just alter that. Yeah, just like maybe do a deep fake of Kim Jong-un and like on the baby or whatever, that baby monster thing. Just, Heck, just I, would, it. I would sell this to North Koreans as a North Korean film. I would just say North Korea made it. It makes North Korea look more professional. I know. Well, they so. they love their cinema. I know. Like his Kim Jong Un's dad was big into that. Oh, really? Apparently, he I don't know. There's he directed so many. Hmm. He, he was he won he won Olympic medals and he and he won Grammys and all that stuff. So. Okay, and then speaking of you know, Rocket Man in North Korea, 
Ukraine confirms that they have fired U.S.-made Javelin missiles at Russia-backed troops. This was today, actually, that this kind of came out. And kind of uh, interesting, um, at the eastern border in Donbass or Donbass, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Donbass, uh, I think. There are, you know, threats of another Russian invasion, people kind of worrying about what Russia will do with Ukraine. And they used uh, these missiles for the first time, according to General Kirilo Budanov. Mm. So they've used it against Russian forces, and apparently it has a significant psychological deterrent value, <laughs> which is the reason they're using it. Interesting. I, mean, I kind of wonder what makes it different than other missiles, but uh, we well, did we did share in our, on our story, sorry, um, a few posts about Russian troop buildup on the mm-hmm. Ukrainian border. So it's always, um, for those listeners who may not be totally up to date, I'm not either, but... Uh, Certainly a a, flash, a potential flashpoint for uh, for war, um, significant war obviously involving Russia, um, or at least an invasion of any. Uh, in which case, NATO um, and Canada would be involved. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have to think. I don't. So like, yeah. So, anyways, I think you might wanted to add something there. Or? Yeah, basically, just a very big missile and. You can, I think it has a range of about three miles or something. So, you know. oh, like the uh, the impact radius, or like the... oh no, geez, no, no. The you can shoot it and it can go for three miles and then hit something. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that would be that would be more than a javelin missile. That would be something else. With the impact radius was that big. Um, yeah. So basically, it's just good for like that's like I don't even know how far you can see usually. But you can go like edge of contact with that thing, right? And very good for tanks, low flying helicopters, things like that. So uh, obviously, really increases their combat readiness, and be interesting to see if anything does happen with Russia, how how that will go. Because obviously, right now, Ukraine has said and you know alleged that Russia has around a hundred thousand troops on the border, and we're preparing for an attack by the like end of January, beginning February. So huh. we may have a very cool episode around that time if things work <laughs> That's out. That's how we see this. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting that uh, they have this ready. Obviously, if that is the case, I, I imagine that the U.S. will intervene. Send yeah. Troops. Well, I was interesting. I was looking the other day at uh, like U.N., UN votes on certain issues and Ukraine um, I was kind of surprised to see slash not surprised but that they, they voted in line with the US like as the only other country to vote um, I think the example being I think there was a vote on ending the embargo against Cuba and I don't know if this source is very accurate so I don't want to you know put too much credibility to it but on the map it said that all the other like essentially looked like all countries voted to end the embargo except for like the u.s and ukraine and maybe some other tiny country yeah it's for like a whole bunch of little tiny countries like there's only like one though because usually there are like a couple prox a couple proxy states (laughs) that the u.s has right um but then it looked like there was just two like including ukraine which was interesting to Mm. me um i didn't know they were that aligned on 
usually that's a, that's, a, that's a sign that they're pretty close if they're like the only two countries that are but anyways i don't know a lot of, about the cuba embargo mm-hmm. but i don't know a lot about the ukrainian <laughs> uh is, the conflict either but right yeah and interestingly i think uh canada also now was weighing up giving more military foreign aid to ukraine obviously in preparation of a potential attack or something so interesting huh, i can't i can't remember if it was poland or ukraine that um canada has troops on the ground training um probably ukraine i think ukraine um yeah, I so. training uh national forces which um in our class it was mentioned that some of this is a little bit problematic considering I guess I'm not sure whether it's that Ukraine doesn't have enough manpower or something, but um, some of the the forces there are like neo Nazis and uh, super far right um, militia or whatever that uh, I guess we're training. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in, interesting side note there. But um, was this the last story you had? Two more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was the Swedish prime, the Swedish, okay. That's lost, yeah. Okay. So speaking of um, <laughs> missiles that can, they have, these missiles can kind of drop down very quickly, right? You can you can go in the air and then very quickly drop it down so it's useful against tanks that are not top heavy. So it reminds me kind of of an economy crashing, right? It goes straight and then. <laughs> You and the segways. So beautiful. Reminds me kind of of the Turkish lira, right? <laughs> because that, I, I think it's pronounced lira. I'm going to pronounce it as lira. Yeah. Uh, it went down 15%. It's officially, I believe, the worst performing currency in the world. Huh. At least this year. Obviously, other currencies, perhaps, <laughs> not so well performing. But it's currently at 13 lira to the U.S. dollar. And so this is the 11th straight day of falls for it. And I believe that it was maybe five years ago, probably like 30, 40 cents to the U.S. dollar. So definitely made some drops. And inflation is now at about 20% now for the currency. And obviously this is kind of, okay, cut and apparently investors are kind of losing confidence in it. It's lost about like 45% of its value this year. So 45. Yeah. So that's almost, bigger than 15. What, <laughs> what happened? There? I think 15 very recently. Okay. Um, wow. That's it nose dive 15% on uh, Tuesday. So yeah, huh. a couple days ago, it nose dives 15%. So basically, obviously Erdogan, the leader of Turkey currently, and the president, if I remember correctly, he has very much hollowed out the democratic institutions there. And so he's kind of just in control of all the economic policies. And he has some very strange economic views that are unorthodox. Is this, okay, is, is this, because I've, I've heard of the um, the democratic backsliding happening, but what, what are the economic uh, policies that are kind of funky? He thinks that high interest rates wouldn't lower inflation. So, and he says, like, he will not, he just uses, like, political speak to say he, like, won't change his position and um, things of that nature. (laughs) And 
economists are saying um, if you raise interest rates, um, we'll kill you. Or uh, more orthodox economists are saying that raising interest rates encourages saving, which reduces expenditure, and so that slows price increases, right? But right. he's kind of disdetermined to do do what he's doing, and apparently he appointed his son-in-law as the like economic minister or the finance minister. So not so surprising people haven't really had much confidence in the currency. I think actually I heard that when he... When the son the son in law resigned, the currency like actually gained value a bit. So oh, man. interesting. So you know it's an interesting thing that's kind of going on, and we'll see um, how this kind of goes. Obviously, Erdogan not probably going to fall out of power anytime soon. So this I'm sure will continue. And yeah. Why? Why is he? Why is that? Do you know? He's not like, is he immensely popular? I can't, I know he's very, I think he's very nationalist, but. Um, It's kind of a weird situation where it's kind of like a hybrid regime where there are, as far as we can tell, mostly free and fair elections. Um, For example, the, the party, the AK party has lost in like some municipal elections recently, still like winning overall, but while there are free and fair elections, media coverage, like the media has been like completely hollowed out. So there's a big advantage to Aragon's party um, for that reason. And there's like... Sorry, someone's playing instruments in the other room. And so basically he just hollowed out the media industry and they bought out the media industry and they have control over the judiciary and there's a whole bunch of just things that are not very democratic there. But that said, there is a chance that his party could lose support if this is that bad, that the media can't spin it to attack other parties, essentially. So, <clears throat> will be interesting to see huh. kind of where this goes with the lira. Will they, will they just get worse and worse, or will I don't know? Will they switch to another currency or something? Because he's been in power for like a while, has he not? Yeah, I believe since the early two thousands. Really, yeah, that's when their party started winning and. They haven't lost since, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I know they have a really good military, but um, and like a weird, like a kind of a uh, complicated relationship with Russia, but um, they are a NATO ally, obviously. So, um, really interesting country for like just study in general for people who are interested. But, mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, keep an eye on that. And you know. I think Turkey, it would be interesting to see if they ever had, you know, a prime minister that was a woman, I think, you know, that might lead to, you know, maybe some better outcomes for them. And that, you know, that reminds me, actually, Sweden. Oh, just randomly? The first prime minister that was a woman. What a coincidence. And she did quit hours later for reasons we can get into. But for a time, they did have their first prime minister that was a woman. So... She resigned. This was yesterday as we recorded this. It is Thursday, the 25th of November. So the day before this, the 24th of November, the government suffered a budget defeat in Parliament. And the Green Party, which is part of the coalition, left. So by, I believe, kind of maybe not law, but more like precedent, just like 
tradition. Uh, she was supposed to resign, so she did. And the right wing, the more right wing party did get their budget proposal passed. So I believe the Speaker of the House now has to reach out to find another prime minister or something. And I think there's going to be a vote on that in the parliament is my understanding of it. Not super well versed in how the Swedish parliament works, but interesting. I've heard some people say she would probably be prime minister again. I'm not sure how that is if they lose on like a budget. I may just be because I'm thinking of the Canadian parliament. And to me, that doesn't sound right that, a ruling government can even like lose a big vote, but who knows? Maybe it works like like that there. So they have about eight parties there though, like eight party leaders. So quite different to us having really, you know. I mean, I guess we do actually have like the Greens in there. So they have five. eight. Sorry, that like have like seats. No, 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 like eight like heads of parties. Okay. Which I guess we have five, so maybe not that. Because I know certain systems, like, obviously we have five, but, like, realistically, there's only what, I mean, okay, some, I think the Greens have, like, they usually have, like, one seat or something, but uh, I know there's some parliamentary systems that uh, are more proportional or something. Yeah. Something or other, so that even smaller parties get a bit more of the, a bit more of the pie. I'm not sure yeah. that's the case in Sweden, but I believe Germany is somewhat proportional. I'm not sure the specifics of their system, but mm. I believe they are. Um, okay, it seems the Greens there are going to they would stand behind her again to choose a prime minister. So she would probably be prime minister again, although they're probably going to look for concessions from from her and the party to obviously pass what they want to pass. Uh. So. Interesting to me too that Greens seem to be a more powerful party in the in Europe than certainly here or the U.S. or anything. Here they're almost like you know what three four percent of the vote. Yeah, there they, it's like an actual significant player. It seems. Yeah, well, just recently, if uh, y'all should be following, write a reply because we we posted a story about uh, green parties around the world. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think Europe. Um, I, 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 I think Green parties, I mean, I, I have to assume that they're also environmental focused. Uh, I hope it's not just a green party, it just is green. But um, I think they're more big tent. like they're, they, they look at other issues a little more a little more than and perhaps the Green Party in Canada is known for. Um, I mean, speaking personally, I just don't really know the Green Party much other than, I think most Canadians don't really think about it other than outside of, you know, environmental environmental advocacy and things of that nature. So right, right. they're more like, I guess they're like a vote taker. They'll take away some votes from the Liberals or the NDP, but um, certainly not uh, a contender by any means for... Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's more viable too in more proportional systems to vote green because you're not strategically voting for, you know, the closest. I guess here a lot of green voters would probably vote NDP or something. Uh, if you have a proportional system, you can actually, you know, vote green and then you actually get seats, right? So yeah. I guess it makes it more contentious as well that way. You have more reason to vote for them. Although I was talking the other day with somebody and they were mentioning <coughs> how the Green Party, and I guess it depends on, on the members of, of parliament or or whatever the, 
members of the party, but I mm-hmm. they were saying a significant amount is is just conservative. Um, really? So it's kind of okay. like environmental conservatives. Huh. Um, that makes I, sense. I, I, guess. I think that was Canada they were talking about, but uh, oh, weird. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, they recently they had that big like <clears throat> the last election they did very poorly because um, it seemed the leadership was very poor and. Uh, there was a big divide on the Israel-Palestine issue that kind of just essentially killed the party. Right. Um, the leader was, like, pro-Israel, I think, and then obviously there's a significant camp that wasn't. And Yeah, I believe she was actually Jewish or something. I think she, so, I think she is, yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, I hope that wasn't a factor in it, but I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I really don't know. Could have been, but yeah, interesting. Um, definitely was interesting to see how the Green Party here dealt with that. And, you know, I believe they have a new deputy leader. I, I think I just saw oh. a news article about it uh, yesterday, although I forget who it is. Um, yeah, so interesting that. I wonder, yeah, is there a big difference between Greens European versus here? Interesting. Make sure y'all are following us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Spotify. You know, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Amazon. Might be on other ones soon. Um, so, yeah. So, make sure. Because we, we got some cool stuff on there. It's pretty nifty. It's pretty snazzy. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, to the Queen's International Affairs Association's Right of Reply podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Xander. I'm Jacob. (laughs) And thank you very much for listening.